this is really connected to white supremacy. I didn't know that. And so I'm learning it. And I was like, yo, like I, man, I drank the juice too, but that's how marketing operates. That's how capitalism operates. That's how white supremacy operates. And so I was just kind of like, okay, I'm learning it. But therapists, how am I supposed to apply this? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Living Out Loud discussion series. Today we were talking about the process of people learning, unlearning, and relearning. I am your host, Charmaine. It's a relational DI expert. And if you are new here, we are openly unpacking real life scenarios and issues that come up in our interactions with each other in professional settings or in other spaces where we feel like we have to be buttoned up. And the goal of every single episode is to reveal the stuff that happens in those interactions so that we can learn about them and grow from them as a community that cares about diversity, equity, and inclusion. As always, with every single episode, the things that I say, the viewpoints, those are my own and not as a representative of any of the agencies that I work for or am contracted by. Today, our guest is Kay Will to me, Crystal Williams Payne to the world, uh, a very close friend of mine. I've known, wait, how long have I known you? It's been like a decade plus, probably yes. like 12 plus years. It's been oh, a minute. Oh my goodness. Yes. You really are a deep friend. You know the pain points and you have helped <laughs> me through things and vice versa. Like we call each other for the things that you really need a good yeah. friend for. I'm really looking forward to having this discussion with you for many different reasons. The way that you'd be showing up is so like real and engaging and your perspective is all, it always teaches me something. Mm. And you always lead with your own, which is amazing because it gives us a window into what it really looks like. Wait, let me introduce myself. I go by Crystal Williams Payne. I am a she, her pronouns. I'm a licensed um, marriage and family therapist with an emphasis on assisting BIPOC individuals find peace with food and building a healthier and a better relationship with food as well as exercise. I lead from a place of um, self-compassion and also body-based work. So what that means is oftentimes we're operating from a space where we're only operating from the neck up. And we're really not paying attention about what's happening from the neck down. So in the work that I do, especially incorporating being a yoga instructor and sound healer as well, I really do want people that I work with to be invited to what's going on from the neck down. Our body Mm -hmm. is storing so many emotions that is happening and that we're not even aware of. And so we can build some awareness around that through yoga, through sound healing, and through talk therapy. That's where I'm here for. I am also a wife. I am a newfound dog mom to a beautiful eight-month-old Boston Terrier. Her name is Whiskey. He's the love of my life, okay? And my wife knows it. And we don't have any issues there, so we're good. (laughs) I am so happy to be here and to be a part of this series. And thank you just so much for the introduction. Sorry, the invitation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I didn't do the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I love that one of the things that actually came up like when you started talking was when we have conversations about things that happen in professional settings I really think that people have an idea of exactly what that means and when we say 
professional settings or other settings where people feel like they need to be buttoned up. Like yeah. What you're describing, I don't think everyone would naturally associate the space that you're in with the audience that we're talking to. Right. And part of why I'm having these conversations, too, is all the stuff that you just said mm-hmm. matters to the work that we are trying to do to create change in organizations. Absolutely. I'm really trying to just open that door. All these things that happen outside of what people traditionally think belong in the workplace so helpful. So Uh that's another reason why I'm very much looking forward to this. And I love what you were saying about the neck up. That Uh is a very tangible, that's another thing you do. You speak very (laughs) tangibly about things and you create this visual. I feel like I say a lot of things all the time. I say, when you're in your brain and you're not, and you're like from the neck up and the neck down. (laughs) That makes so much sense. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. All right. So people learning, unlearning, relearning can mean many things to different people. I want to get into this topic because at Living Unapologetically, we see these three things often getting lumped together as people learning something, but they're all a part of learning, but there's different pathways to it and very different experiences depending on who you are, how you grew up, and Mm -hmm. just how you experience the world today. And so for us, I think about learning as people learning new information, new skills. If you just didn't know much about it or you didn't know anything about it at all. So it's a new information and you process that however you need to process it. And then there's the unlearning piece where there are lots of things that we likely grew up learning or whatever that looks like for people. Um, but because we are trying to shift behaviors, we also teach people to undo the things that we've been really used to. That mm-hmm. could truly be behaviors or it could be things that we think. And then the real point that I think we spend a lot of time doing as consultants is the relearning piece. The relearning adds another element to the unlearning in that people are having to face stuff that's challenging and doesn't necessarily align with what they believe to be true. Mm-hmm. And they may have to relearn something that is rubbing up against that. For sure. And it takes a bit more time to to wrestle with that and not everybody decides okay I'm going to completely abandon something that I truly believe in but there is a process of having to spend the time to unpack figure out where things came from what do they really mean what did they mean what do they mean now is this really helpful yeah and so I, I just like to demystify a bit that there's different parts of the learning process and I'm curious, what, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Is that how you think about things? What comes up for you? Absolutely. I would completely agree with it that there's a lot of nuances and complexities that go along with the learning, the unlearning, and also the relearning. I feel like the there's one aspect of when you talked about the learning part. Hey, I'm ingesting new information. And it's okay, here it goes. I would say with the uh, the unlearning i literally have to deep within my level of consciousness or my awareness and pull out and almost purge out all of these beliefs these assumptions these rules that i have created not sometimes not even created but i have learned over time you know what i mean all these messages that we're constantly getting on a daily basis and I have to really sit there and almost be in the ring with those things. I've been into the ring with like the, all the of those. 
assumptions and those beliefs. And I really am picking that apart and really going through this process of this hurts probably sometimes even to see, to put it in there. And sometimes you're battling with that. And I think this is where when you talk about like the relearning aspect of it, where you're rubbing up again, it's okay. A referee or somebody else is coming into that ring where I'm, I'm battling with all these things and it can be just really difficult. But I can completely agree with that, again, with the complexities and with the nuances with all of those things. It's really hard when you when you are willing to learn information, when you are willing to unlearn and when you're willing to relearn all those information. It's a really tough thing to do and you will be very uncomfortable while you're doing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You will be so uncomfortable doing that. <laughs> yeah. I think about, I love the ring thing. When you said that, yeah. it just made me think about many a times when I was in my own rings. I don't even, I sing it tense. It's not best. It's, yeah. it's a current day where I still have to do those things. And I, I also think it's important for us to talk about why is it important to really understand the various levels of learning? Because I think, I think without knowing that, we can approach growth by missing some important pieces of a process. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try to explain what I'm thinking. If people don't see that there's learning new information and undoing it and facing and challenging stuff, I think we can easily stay above the neck because mm -hmm. we can just try to take in new things or I understand this is different than before. But the other aspects of learning do require us to feel like physically feel mm -hmm. what's happening and what yeah. things mean to us and to change so when you're talking about the, the ring like that is a really great picture of how it is not something that stays in our minds if you're in a yeah. ring if you're using a lot of you oh, yeah. and your body to be yeah. in the space yeah so I just I haven't really thought about it like that before but I'm thinking about it now what it's like for people and the work that I've seen our clients do, our partners do, when they're truly doing the work, mm. it feels like that. They're yeah. in a space and fighting with themselves and yeah. maybe with other people or the people who taught them things and, oh, that show, it's something like a show. Like, what the, like, just so many. Yeah. You'd be like that. I don't know. I'm not into boxing that much, but I think about the people on the side with the water and you're there as the coach. You're like, ah, oh, you're doing a good job. and need some water. I know. I know. And when you're talking about just like the, I, and, I'm, and I know I threw that analogy out there, but just thinking about who's your opponent, who's the one kind of beating you up. Mm. And sometimes it is the, those old belief systems that are sometimes beating you up in, in such a way. And I think about if I'm having a full body experience, cause I'm in the ring, again, going from the neck down, you don't know, is my stomach turning when I am approaching something else, a new opponent? Is am I my hands like clenching a little bit more and my breathing, you know what I mean? While I am face against mm. this particular opponent, as you will, like inside of that ring, that particular belief, that assumption, that, that thought. And so I'm really connecting with that full body experience while you're doing that, because if not, you're again, you're just only operating from the neck up. You're not really feeling the impact. I will say that you're not really absorbing the impact. And I think when we really fully absorb the impact, then that helps with like things, with the shifts, with the relearning and be willing to continue to practice it. You know what I mean? And then goes further than practicing it. You got to embody that. You know what I'm saying? And so yes. that's what comes to mind for me. Yes. 
Okay, I'm I'm rolling with this analogy. Okay. Now I'm like, okay, look. So when we do DEI stuff, yeah. I feel like most of our partners, they're really excited about doing it. And you try to explain the situation. You try to say, hey, you know what? It looks really cool, right? But like, you're going to be in a ring and like a lot of stuff is going to be happening. And they're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, we got it. And then we do what we can to describe it. But it's not until you get, like, they get in there that it's like, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, just, yeah. And probably crawling. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Yes, I don't know if I want to do that. Yes. I don't know, like, people, no, you don't got to say sorry. Like, look, when you show people the ring, we've had clients that look, no, no, we did enough. We came into the building. Yeah. We did some cool little practice. But up there, no, thank you. Not doing yeah. that. So people won't even do it. Then you have those that shakingly will get in there. Some will just throw themselves in there. They're in there and still not really knowing what all of it is. The other yeah. thing is we can tell people, hey, there's a ring, but we don't know all the going on in there. We don't know till yeah. you get in there how you're going to experience it. Yeah. But you got to do this so that we can learn what is happening in you to do different. Even when you said something that seems small, it's very significant when you said, are your hands clenching? And what does it mean? Yeah. And I'm like, that to me indicates someone would have to be doing the work so much that they now know that in response to these situations, their indicator that something is happening okay. is yeah. their hands clench. What yeah. are the different things that you are telling yourself okay. and that you're feeling? And, and what do you do besides yeah. sit there and whatever it is that the response yeah. is? How do you move through that? But you can't help people by just telling them hey there's a ring it's over there let's go practice in there the rumbling mm -hmm. and whoever it is they or the opponent the mm -hmm. opponent is a lot of things and people and i am just i'm literally visualizing this whole situation and all <laughs> these people like this makes so much sense mm -hmm. yeah oh. i think i have a question too and i think this is probably think about like how do you get people to trust you because it's really a matter of I am giving you an invitation right I think it's the difference between the invitation and ob obligation right I'm giving you an invitation to increase your awareness and a part of that increasing your awareness and applying it to really embody what I'm saying there is going to be bruises right and how do I trust how do you get people to trust you on, you want me to get bruised up? You want me to be <laughs> in the ring and constantly doubt myself yes. on how I'm operating? Yeah. Why would that? Why would I do that? And I think this is where people be in the sidelines. Be like, no, I'm good. I got the information. Why the heck would I even want to go in there? Because you're not only putting my mind, but you're also putting my body even more in distress. That doesn't seem maybe to some people very worth it. My nervous system is regulated over here on the sidelines. <laughs> I, don't, so I, don't, I don't want to go over there. But I just think about like, you know, how do you get people? And I think willingness is very something very internal. But how do you build a trust in people? How people trust you to come inside of the ring and en endure those bruises and recognizing that these, I don't know, just this invitation is going to be more of a, I guess, a long-term internal reward. 
not only just for yourself, but for others around you. So they may feel like bruises at first, but they're really just soft pillows, possibly. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it could feel that way because it's new, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm applying it. I'm really stretching myself in, in a way. So yes, you're going to feel sore. Yes, you're going to feel some particular bruises. But like with any of those, with those analogy, get through like the tunnel, get through like the darkness in order to see the light. I guess the ultimate question is Charmaine. Because people are like, just points of this process. And I guess maybe that's the like, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm following you. And I think my answer, I'll first start with what it looks like now and then explain. I think there's a part of being in the ring that people can see, maybe consultants or people who are experienced. People see people in the ring and I'm still in it, but I'm not on as much of a struggle bus as I was. Now, yeah. when people see me in the ring, they think I'm just in there doing well. And I'm like, I'm always doing well I've just learned how to be in here mm -hmm. so I let them yeah, see right. that and I let them see and know my whole process to even get in the ring there was a whole part of my life where I was nowhere near the ring yeah no nowhere near it didn't even know they existed yeah and I had to do I still have to there was a good part of my 20s where I was really having to face things that I was doing things that I thought things I was taught about people myself included in particular was just engaging in a lot of isms as any of the isms you can think of I likely had the stereotypical judgy thoughts about them and I had to experience a lot of discomfort and anger and all of that other stuff I was in the ring and I figured out the ring on my, I didn't have a person to support me. I figured out the ring on my own. And what I do with people is normalize that entire process. That even though I am someone that's coaching you and appears to have got it figured out, I still don't have it all figured out. And I had to do exactly what you're experiencing. And I know it very well. So I use myself as an example, any chance I can. I use myself as an example of what the story can look like and what it did look like for me. And then I rumble in the ring current day for people to see it too because I don't have it all figured out. So I'm in there. I'm not behind them pushing them up there. I'm in the ring. Hey, you want to you wanna come up here? I got you. I can't help you do all the fighting. But I'm in here too. Mm -hmm. And I've, I have heard, this is just what people tell me. They say that... They do trust because I normalize it. It looks tangible and no one has to be perfect. If I have done this for this long or however long years and people see that it looks like I'm further along in my journey, but also I don't have it all figured out, it's okay to go in there and experience something. And there's the part where I believe that DEI work is much more clinical than people associate with it because I use a good amount of therapisty skills yeah. with people because it's not just about learning information. Yeah. This stuff means something to you. You hearing feedback means something to you. You not liking something or people are seeing and hearing your viewpoint doesn't feel good to you. And it requires a holding like you that's how I describe it. You have to hold yeah. people in their stuff and I can hold that. That's what our consultants do. We hold space for the encouragement to go into the ring, 
the unpacking. Mm-hmm. What is all of this? What? How can we help you figure out what it means? Can you stand there a little longer to feel what it feels like so we can see what you're doing, so yes. we can see what you're feeling and make a shift? And I, I think that's a long answer to say, just use myself as an example and a model. And I do it with them as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to know, you can reply to me, but I'm, I'm going to want to yeah. know the same from you. <laughs> Let's not miss that, okay? <laughs> no, no. I think personal experience and personal application is very helpful. And I think because when you're in that leadership role, people are perceiving you as having it all figured out and not necessarily understanding this, the struggle behind it. And also recognizing, too, that this is an ongoing process. And so would it be fair to say that this is a process and not a destination? Right. Yeah. 100%. So I'm inviting you to my particular process and I want to hold space for you and your process and knowing, oh my gosh, the destination is, the process is the destination. The destination is the journey. The destination is the process. Is that? Yeah. 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 Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I was watching the show Swagger the other day and they talked about oh. it's a really cute show. I think they had mentioned something like that about the the journey is the destination. There's not like a once I get to that, to that shop, that's it. But just no, the, the process is what it is. It's having that. And I think where people are unlearning certain things and relearning, I think it's important for people to understand that, that it's a process. It's not a destination. It's going to be an ongoing thing because you're going to be faced with so many different realities in your home life, in your work life, while you're still unpacking. You don't know what, what's going to activate you. You have no idea. And you don't know when it's going to come. So it's going to be a process. Of, it's going to be a lifelong. So I think that is so important for pe- to, people to understand. Um, and I think hopefully when people do have that understanding, it gives them more of an, a kind of an opening and more of a push or they see that invitation less threatening when yeah. they go in there. Yeah. I'm really curious to know what has been like your own process of unlearning, relearning? What has that looked like for you? You can share as much or as little as you want. I'm just yeah. like, what does it look like? And I wonder if you could be an example of what it could look like by sharing. I think Big example that has been really significant, I think, in my life is just my relationship with food and my relationship with exercise. And that has been a a struggle since I was a kid. And I would chronic binge eater and a chronic dieter. I got to a point in my life where it was just, I'm not only hurting, I feel like Something in my spirit was just, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And I recognized how, how it was also impacting my romantic relationship. And I was like, I, I want to shift this a little bit. And mm-hmm. I sought out therapy. It was so funny. I was, I was in Sedona. My wife took me on a trip. I've never been to Sedona before. It was at Sedona and me and her are sitting on a couch and we're watching how Stella got her groove back. My wife's crying and I'm over here having this existential, like, existential, like, crisis going on. Like, I gotta change my life. Whatever. And so I reached out to a therapist that specializes in disordered eating and things of that nature. And so during that process, it was a lot of me learning about 
how diet culture has been impacting me. And the thing about it is I've heard this before. I've heard this years ago before I was ready and willing to be more open to what I was ready to receive. And so I heard it and it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good for those folks. But over here, I'm good. And then fast forward, I realized, wow, what I'm learning, I'm like, like that stuff that people were saying, I didn't realize how much I was hurting other people. I didn't realize how me commenting on somebody else's weight was impacting somebody or, oh, yeah, hey, girl, who you lost with? Oh, fierce, fire, period. And recognizing saying like I could actually I could have been like endorsing an eating disorder. I could have been endorsing a medical condition that they didn't share with me why this was happening. And then I had to take inventory for myself and was just kind of like, like, this has also been hurting me. And then I started to do a little bit more kind of the guidance of my therapist and also just me doing my own kind of like learning is how far deep does this whole diet culture stuff go? And then realizing like, this is really connected to white supremacy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that these different rules that we have today that we have marketed <laughs> and that has gone way before. It, it's so many beautiful examples of that. And so I'm learning it and I was like, yo, like I, man, I drank the juice too, but that's what marketing work. That's how marketing operates. That's how capitalism operates. That's how life yeah. operates. And so I was just kind of like, okay, I'm learning it. But therapists, how am I supposed to apply this? Thanks for the information. Thank you for the information. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, like the, the unlearning aspect of it too. I really had to sit and think about some of the rules and assumptions that I had and really had to look at my own like anti-fatness and had to look at my own bias which was very hurtful for myself because I'm looking, thinking about family members, thinking about community, thinking about the judgments that I've had on other people, other bodies, things of how I'm, how I look at them is how I look at myself. Starting there, that was, that hurt like big time. Uh, it was, that was really hard. And, and so what happened was with the, the learning how to put all of my kind of my belief systems on inside of the ring in assumptions and different rules that I had. In the midst of all of that, I really started to get confused. I think that's also in the ring as well. It's like confusion. It's by like certain things and I'm confused. And an example, I think of that confusion of, okay, if I'm going to adopt this new lens, so does that mean I can't go on a diet anymore? Does that mean I can't do this anymore? Really? What's the rules here? Like, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? What happens? And it was, I'm sorry. This is just, I'm like, I get everything I said. Okay, keep going. So. <laughs> it was just met with that, which was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. I had to really just, I sit with that a little bit. And I remember my therapist kind of teaching me some different tools and things of that nature, as well as what I'm also learning and recognizing that this, this is a part of the process. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not a bad person for still to feel this way. And I thought about when, when I get to the process of relearning certain things, 
applying certain tools that I've utilized uh, that I have been learning, recognizing, I think shared before, like it's a grieving process. There was a lot of things that I really felt like was so hard to give up where giving up my skill, for instance, that was so hard to do. I'm coming into tears. It was so hard to give up my skill. I was on it all the time that 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 scale was like my sister in a way you know what I mean it informed me of my worth it informed me of like my value and that has been a I embodied that so strongly for so many years and even though it was hurting me I was just kind of like this is hard and throwing that away was huge for me, and it took a minute, again, feeling that embodiment, like even just holding it in my hand, I took it in and out of the trash can, I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many times. And so recognizing again, that's the process. Okay, I'm gonna give this up. Okay, no, 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 I'm not ready. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, this is the day, this is the day. Okay, no, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And because there's a grieving process that happens, like I had said, or the grieving, the idea of, okay, if I don't go on a diet anymore, then I'm not going to, and then I don't lose weight, then I'm losing, I might lose community. I might lose kind of social interactions of, or social engagements in conversation. I'm going to lose out on compliments because people tend to compliment folks only when they're in smaller bodies. That was a huge, that's, I'm like, gosh, I'm going to get that. I kind of like that. You know, <laughs> that's hard. I am wearing this, yeah, ain't I? Yes. And, and then I think it, it, it goes to with that particular battle of how difficult the process is. And then I had to get accept or I would say be open to, again, what I was receiving because there was so much evidence throughout the midst of that. There's so much evidence of how this new idea, this new perspective is working. I feel so much better. The thing about it is, my conversations with my friends are better. My conversations with my wife is better. Just being open to this new perspective, me being able to advocate for uh, myself and other bodies, being again, even as a yoga teacher too, that might be a whole nother thing too, because in that space is very thin bodied and not yeah. accessible to all bodies. And how the media perceives yoga, which stops BIPOC folks or other bodies getting into that space. And I think we need it more now than ever, um, the sense of wellness. And the thing about it is because all the things I said, the white supremacy and diet culture, capital, it's all around me and that angle stop. It is here. And I have, it, it, it's, it's here as far as like not stopping in a sense of there are some things that it's just, a, it's ongoing. So therefore my process of relearning and unlearning is ongoing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do have a good hold of it. Like you had mentioned before, I just stopped wrestling with certain stuff and kind of was able to settle in. I can really resonate what people will perceive me as you got us together. Like, oh, Krista, you can. You can have bread now. Oh, you can eat, have cereal now and not be afraid of it because of this particular process. It seems easy, but not understanding like the rule behind it. It's just because I settled in it. I had, I really went through the depth of 
of it all and and still giving myself some grace and some openness that this is going to be an ongoing process. But damn, like, I feel so much better. So much lighter mentally, physically, spiritually. And I think that people, other people can feel that. And I love that version of myself. If suffer the version I was trying to chase or hold on to so tightly back in the day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> First and foremost, thank you. <laughs> I'm also sitting here. I've been here for it for a long time. I have never heard this story. So I'm yeah. also I'm hearing it and I'm like, this is and, and I don't even and I'm not going to go into the whole thing now, but I get almost everything that you were talking about as someone who had to face the fact that I had a binge eating disorder as well. Like I, I understand there are so many parts and layers to okay. what you're saying. And I'm just sitting with all of that. First of all, I'm like still processing how layered that was. We, I think that example does a really good job of how layered our learning is. Yeah. You shared the new info and then you were like, what are the, the confusion was very real. Wait, what? You said, huh? <laughs> I really felt that. I was having my own process. And then I was thinking about our partners, people that we work with that do their own struggle with many topics. Yeah. While, again, while people might not associate this specific topic as something that relates to work. One, it actually does. Yeah. And two, this experience that you're describing happens across many topics yeah so i just appreciate it here's the new info and then it was like huh and then Mm -hmm. you described what wrestling really Mm -hmm. looks like in that ring and then i I really appreciated that window into the really tough moments of the the grief i think people look at stuff and they're like oh you learn it and you're supposed to know like it's just the right thing to do go learn and do better it's like, hold on. Well, yeah. you really unpack it, okay? Mm-hmm. You just send things on their way all the time. Some yeah. stuff, okay. But when you're really doing the work and you really go inside to figure out where it all came from and the meaning yeah. of stuff mm-hmm. and the feelings of the meaning, it's like scale. Mm-hmm. You said sister. When you said scale is my sister, I said, oh. Well, that was a deep relationship. You had to let your sister go. I understood that. I also understood that I've I've the experience you just described, I've seen with our clients in many different ways. Yeah. I don't think that they would name it the way that you've named things, but that grief was so powerful. Yeah. And then I just saw you all up in the ring. Just some of it was like, okay, it's this over yet. But at some point, you're like in the ring, but. You're not in this defense mode, like you're just yeah. getting attacked all the time. Now it's, oh, look, here comes the punch. Oh, got yeah. my cheek right there. But okay, I know how to deal with it. Yeah. If you need to sit down for a sec, you can, but you didn't leave the ring. You just learn how to be in there. Yeah. You just, your whole story was just a, a beautiful illustration of what it can look like. And I also acknowledge and see your journey. And that's one part of your journey. When there's another part of it too that I know is very real in workplaces. I've done it myself and I've seen other people do it is the value on thinness, white bodies, mm-hmm. the ways that we unintentionally a lot of times say things, do things yeah. that could impact people. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. for me tangibly, like 
growing up with a binge eating disorder, it was when I went to therapy and I tell you, I cleared out the room, but there was a rug and I had to lift up the rug. And I, I was like, this is like the most significant thing. But right. at work, what I was experiencing was a lot of stuff I wasn't aware of because I didn't really know that part of myself. Yeah. Not only was I saying things to people, but I would find myself, people would say things or do things that I would get activated, not really understanding why mm. people uh-huh. could easily say so. so then I'm just like mad or whatever, in my own shame spiral, or I would avoid looking at mirrors at work. I yeah. could not. And every day I'd walk up the stairs and at the top of the stairs, there's this mirror. Okay. And I just, well, I'd walk up and I'll go like this. I just... That's how bad, that's how significant it was. I don't want to say bad. Yeah. That's how severe it was, though. So when people would make the comments that we're talking about, it activates me. Then I go into my own shame spiral. I'm impacted. And then I'm walking around in my own anger, treating certain people yeah. a way that has nothing to do with them. Nothing. But I didn't know that. I'm just yep. walking around kind of angry uh-huh. and got an attitude or whatever else. So then I'm hurt. Then I go hurt other people. And it's just a cycle that can go on and on. And this is just one category of something. Yeah. So at work, I, when I learned about my own disorder and what I was doing and what it meant, it helped me be more aware at work. It helped me show up differently, speak differently, be more aware of people and their stories. And when I was activated, I then got to decide how I was going to respond instead of going into that default autopilot. Y'all going to get this anger or y'all not going to see me. I'm going to disappear the rest of the day, whatever it was. It's just like these, these moments that you're describing or that I'm describing are so related to professional settings because they are how we show up and interact with people. hundred percent, hundred percent. I just thank you so much. Like that, I was like, I want to do something with this. I'm already recording, but I'm like, dang, this is so good. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you, teacher me. I'm also thinking people are listening and they realize, okay, cool, I get it. This ring situation is for me. (laughs) Are there any, because part of the journey is that you can have support. Yeah, And then there's some stuff that people can do, might want to have on their radars. I'm wondering like what we could share with people so that they can do some parts of the work, knowing that support is part of it. Yeah. What are some like tangible things people could do? Read. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie to you. Information is elevation and, mm-hmm. and getting the right information to you. There's so many different resources that is out there and that is available and accessible. I say that for one. Two, and this might be hard. I don't know if this is tangible, but this may be difficult. Uh, not run away for your feelings, not running away from your feelings. The more we run away from them, the more that our bodies and our brains will detect, oh, I'm supposed to be afraid of that. I think there's a difference between I'm uncomfortable, right? versus what's another part which basically describes that I'm in danger. If I am looking at this particular thought, let's just say thought, or things of that nature, or this particular feeling, let's just say that, our feeling, and I'm running away from it, our brains will detect that I'm in danger, right? So that feeling is dangerous. 
it's important that maybe we can name certain things that like, hey, this is uncomfortable for me or this. And I, I like to help clients with learning their feeling. But this feels very tender. This feels very hot. This feels very, I don't know, warm or cold or tingly, right? Because if it's feeling very hot, go drink some water. That's full of ice cubes, right? (laughs) If it's tingly, I want you to rub on something that's soft, right? And so I think this is a matter of us just feeling because like we mentioned earlier, when you're entering into the ring, you're going to hit some blows. You're going to feel confusion. You're going to feel doubt and maybe even some fear because you're faced with the unknown. If you can go into the rain knowing those things and being open to those sensations and understand, hey, this is uncomfortable, but I'm not in danger. I'm I'm just uncomfortable right now. Sometimes mm. it can be very help helpful naming it. I want to say something about that one particular thing because yeah, it's a really big part of what people and organizations experience and it's that discomfort and safety at times feeling like they are used interchangeably Mm. now i want to be clear and say plenty of workplaces are unsafe plenty of situations and dynamics are unsafe so i'm gonna honor that and i'm going to lift up that when people experience that stuff that you're just talking about right now, like we have these responses and they're already associated with fear, danger. Mm-hmm. When we don't slow down and know what that is, it's just that already. It's mm-hmm. fear, it's dangerous, and I want to distance myself from it. I, that was like my default about everything all the time. I'm sure yeah. you know this. You've been my friend for a long time. Right. I was, ins- I don't like it. It's cut off. Goodbye. That's right. all I did. <laughs> I didn't learn anything. Okay. I still have to be very aware that this is I don't like it I don't like it it's unsafe I have to leave the situation yeah however when we don't know and we just leave because our bodies or our minds tell us it's unsafe without really processing is this the situation that's unsafe yeah or are these feelings associated with something that was unsafe yeah but when we instantly say it's unsafe without knowing if this is the situation then we truly exit moment that we avoid and exit moments Mm -hmm. now i've seen i've seen some really unintentional exits i've also seen people being aware that this might not be one of those things but i actually don't like it so i'm going to just exit the situation yeah so when you're saying like sit with the feelings and know them i'm thinking about the very real life examples and how many times i have seen people not know they're feeling so much that they associate the feeling with the moment and exit it, and it might not be that thing. And I know this because in the unpacking with people, not only do I help people sit in their stuff in a moment, I also check in after and unpack those moments. And I can tell you, it is not uncommon in the unpacking afterwards, what people described as unsafe in the moment wasn't the moment. It was what it brought up for them about something else Mm -hmm. and then they missed the moment yeah and i just i want to tell people things aren't unsafe because they feel safe at work but not everything is and so when we name it we leave it and maybe it's discomfort that we don't like 
When people say safety versus discomfort, I feel like that's the layer in there that we're not really talking about. And if you don't know your feelings, yeah, then you got to spend time with them, like you just said. Yeah. And I thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that when I work with a lot of individuals that have a difficult time with communicating their feelings, let alone um, feeling them, everybody's operating from the neck up. And I yeah. get how difficult that is. But there is an aha moment when you do are open to seeing what's going on with the neck down. It's a huge aha moment. So that way you can catch in that moment, hey, I'm feeling this sensation that's coming over me. And before I exit out that door, I'm able to regulate for a second to really assess what is that pit in my stomach that I'm feeling right now. That brief, that, that brief moment can really change, again, how people move forward with the unlearning process, with the relearning process, or missing out on certain moments. But that brief moment, if they learn how to feel their feelings, it can just go a long way. Accessing that level of consciousness, is, it, it can go such a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that just contributes to the experience in the ring. As somebody who I don't think I felt any emotion besides numb or anger till yeah. I started therapy. And I think I was like 30 or yeah, it, it was like later. And when I was in therapy, that's when I realized, oh, like I didn't, I was so cut off. I just didn't even know that yeah. I didn't know what emotions were. I had to learn what they were. And then I had to feel them. By the way, that ring yeah. situation. That's what I know. Took me out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Took me out. That's what yeah. I tell people too. It can be incredibly difficult just to get the new information and wrestle with the new information. Yeah. But when your life experience is not feeling emotions, I I understand yeah. it's difficult. I do, I do. And if you don't deal with it you you cannot you won't get to this place of real change if you yeah. can not get further into your body and I think yeah. about uh, when I first started doing therapy this is actually relevant to my current practice as a DEI practitioner but you know how when you're collecting hours and you got to record yourself and yeah I hated doing that but I watched myself and I literally saw how I capped someone else's growth because mm. I was uncomfortable in emotion spaces. Now, I think mm. I was doing pretty good. I think I was doing okay, but I saw myself. Yeah. And I had to see, oh, crap, I made that decision to exit because I was uncomfortable. That's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. why, like, I was running this whole show yeah. and they got an experience, but not yeah. a really solid one. And that prompted me to get together even more. I was like, you will feel the depths of the emotions because you're yeah. not going to be the person that gets in someone else's way. <laughs> and it sounded great till I had to go back up in that <laughs> ring like, oh. <laughs> so now when you ask me that question very early on, like, how do you gain the trust? Girl, because yeah, yeah, I had to do this stuff that yeah. I'm asking people to do. <laughs> I'm still doing this stuff that I'm asking people to do. I do not have it together. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm just trying yeah. to teach people whatever I can yeah. with what I have. Yes. You know, boat. Yeah, I'm totally on the same boat with that. Yeah, you're the feeling, the feelings aspect of it is hard. It's, it's one thing to acknowledge, hey, I got feeling. 
There they go. It's in my stomach. There he goes. No wonder why I have digestive issues. And so the next thing you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm really feeling it. And I think that it can be very scary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could, that can be very, very scary to actually feel because there's a reason why we have numbed that part of us out. Yeah. Yes. And so while you're in the process of feeling your feelings, recognize that part of you that had to create, that had to put those protectors and those armors up um, and, and just going at your own pace to do that. But once it is opening, you could feel that. Oh, my gosh. And you're like, there you go. It, the, the recovery from those intense feelings, they don't even really last that long sometimes. Not as long as it was before. And you're able to communicate them to coworkers, to your spouse, even just to yourself. I know the thing, the work that I do with clients as well is like when I do feel those sensations, can I meet it? Can I greet it with a pillow? Can I greet it with compassion and with understanding and not harshness or trying to get rid of it? You know what I'm saying? And that also makes a, a, a huge difference with your relationship with your feelings as well. And in turn, relationship with your body and all that good stuff too, because our emotions are in our body. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. What we're talking about, I'm hoping is a really good window into what this work looks like. In yeah. what I keep trying to describe to our partners or even what I'm really wanting to make space for in this field of DEI is this is the process of learning. Although people will spend so much money into like certificates and and trainings and the things to learn the information in our minds. In my personal opinion, there aren't nearly as many DEI practitioners who are able to go to these depths in themselves and then for other people to get to the types of experiences and changes that people are really needing if they want change in their organization. And I'm, it just takes so much of your own self-discovery as a practitioner to help other people do it. If people are looking to hire consultants or experts, these are the types of things that you want to be looking for what is the depth of self to then carry other people mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. it? Because you don't want to hire somebody and then you're struggling through it and they can't hold it or have yeah. no concept of really how to be in the feelings. Yeah. And that's why we are so experiential, practice-based. Like that's, that's our space. We'll teach you yeah. some information, but we are going to be sitting in this stuff as much as possible. Give you a little break. Here's some water. And then we're going to keep practicing so you can develop this ability to stay in it. Yeah, Because it's not, you don't have to be in the ring struggling for forever. You'll just be in a ring and learn how to be in there. Yeah. So I'm just like wanting to lift that up. Yeah. This work isn't for everyone. And if you want to be a really good practitioner, just want to encourage people to open this door for themselves too. And be curious about what are the limits that your clients are experiencing (laughs) in your own limitations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for holding space for me, especially with hearing my what my internal process with the learning, unlearning, and relearning. I really appreciate you, and I hope to do this again. 
Same. I hope you do this again here with me. <laughs> we never want to go okay. Well, if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? You can email me at crystal with a K, K R Y S T A L, at therapy to empower.com. You can also follow me on YouTube at <laughs> Yoga by Crystal, where I'll be providing mental health tips as well as asanas, which is physical postures, and helping people learn about yoga off the mat. You can also follow me on TikTok, where I post funny videos about my life as a therapist at uh, Crystal the Yoga Therapist. Please follow her. Especially, <laughs> I mean, you, you, in the other places, but like on TikTok, and I think YouTube as well. You're starting to put stuff there too. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Just your <laughs> videos bring me so much joy. I just, okay. I scroll, be like, unmute. I'm trying to yeah. hear all of this. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. So thank yeah. you. If you want to get in contact with me, you can visit me on our website at livingunapologetically.com. All of our social media handles are on there. You can email us. There's freebies on there. FYI. Our guided meditations are available. We will keep adding more. The meditations are specific for professional setting situations. People sitting in their spiral of shame after they heard feedback and claiming worthiness in the face of discrimination. And the last one is how to prepare for difficult conversations. We will have more, but those are available now. They are free. We have some other stuff on there. You will have access to buy my book, Why is Conscious Leadership, a framework for leading with action and accountability. Please share this with your networks. Have conversations. Share how they go. Like, comment, subscribe. So until next time, hope you have a good one and that we connect soon. Bye. Bye.